I definitely felt like I, I needed to prove myself. And yeah, I think it was just the comparison to others. I think that's one trait that's just so hard that I think I go through, I still go through all the time is that I really need to trust my own journey and my own path. And it, it sounds so cliche, but everything is happening for you, not to you. And the minute that you change your mindset to that, it's like, even all the challenges that you go through, like, it's because it's going to make you stronger. It's because it's going to give you new perspective. It's like, it's honestly the greatest spiritual teachers are the challenges in your life. Welcome, Brisa Hennessy. I am so excited. We finally made this work. It's taken us like four times between our schedules and we're here. Thank you. Oh my gosh, I'm so honored. You are literally one of my favorite people. And yeah, I, I can't wait to discuss all things with you today. Amazing. Ditto, ditto. Well, Brisa, just so everybody knows, she's an incredible athlete. We had the pleasure of meeting Brisa uh, during our time on the North Shore, courtesy of the International Hyperbarics Association, when we got to bring hyperbarics to the World Surf League, which was incredible. Brisa is, uh, she represented the Costa Rica team in the Olympics uh, in 2020, and she placed fifth in World Surf League last year for women. Incredible, incredible athlete, Brisa. I'm so proud of you. Thank you, Melissa. That really means a lot. Um, and yeah, I just feel very blessed that surfing and traveling has connected me with the most incredible people. Um, I think it was such a blessing and so meant to be that I met you and Jason and your beautiful kiddos and family on the North Shore. And you guys changed my life in so many ways with the hyperbaric and um, it truly is the people in your life that make you who you are and make you feel, you know, that you're not alone and you're on this journey with, um, yeah, incredible people that surround you. Yeah, totally. I, you know, we met you, I guess it was a few years ago now, and we came into this culture, um, the surfing culture in the North Shore, and we were obviously so excited and like, to be completely honest, a bit starstruck right? Like we get into this beautiful house where we're setting up hyperbaric chambers for all the surfers. For those of you who don't know the way I just, I know Brisa, you don't want to talk a lot about your surfing career because you are so humble. Um, but I just kind of want to lay out like how we met. For those of you who don't know, the way that the World Surf League is set up on the North Shore of Hawaii is there's all these houses right along the, the beautiful coast. And these houses are like sponsored by companies. So like Billabong has a house, Volcom has a house. I think Red Bull had a house at one time. Um, and the athletes can come there and, you know, get some goods, get taken care of all the things. We were the hyperbaric house. So we had hyperbaric oxygen chambers and we were there to open up our home to the surfing community and then also the community of Honolulu and the surrounding areas. Brisa was one of the first people that we met. And I instantly was like, oh, oh my gosh. Okay. I'm comfortable here. Like these people are real, just like us. Like you came into our home and I just remember from the instant I met you, like how grounded and how humble and how sweet you are. And I just want to say thank you because you really, you know, obviously we were there as professionals to serve the community and so would have stepped up to any challenge but like you just made it feel so homey so thank you thank you i couldn't agree more on how we felt and i think for you to open up your home and heal the community and educate us with um 
you know, not all things oxygen and, but um, yeah, how do you open up your home too? So I think it's the feeling is so mutual and yeah, you guys have really changed my life. So I'm so appreciative. One of the things that I really have loved the more I've gotten to know you is just like your love of water, your love of ocean. I feel like it's this piece of you, but it just seems to expand across your whole personality and how you live your life. And from the outside looking in, like how harmonious and connected you are to the earth and to yourself. And I know this has all been like quite a journey for you and you may not even feel super connected, um, but I know you've done a lot of work on yourself in the past. And I just kind of want to start with like, how did you gravitate towards this sport and what initially drew you to the water and to surfing? Because I know you started at a really, really young age. Yeah, right. No, amazing question. Um, I would say I didn't really have a choice, <laughs> but no, I'm just kidding. I, uh, I was born off the grid in Costa Rica. Um, my parents ran a surf school down there and we lived completely, completely in the jungle. Uh, we lived right on the beach and in one of the last lowland rainforests left in the world. So it was right on the edge of this huge um, conservation of land. And so there was monkeys and every type of animal you could think of. And obviously the ocean was, um, you know, right outside my doorstep. And I was pretty much born in the water. I think the minute that my dad put me on a surfboard, <laughs> I, I instantly felt like I needed to do this for the rest of my life, but it wasn't just surfing. I think it was being in nature and finding the healing powers of the ocean. I think we really take it for granted, but nature heals us every single day. Um, we just need to let it in and learn from, you know, the greatest teacher of mother nature. Uh, but the ocean, I feel like the way I connect with it is because it changes in so many different ways. You know, it has so many different emotions, just like humans. Mm -hmm. And we are made up of, of water too, like more water. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it draws me in because I learn from it every single day. It's, it changes. It's, it's always, yeah, ever changing, but no matter how big it is or crazy or angry or stormy, it always finds calm and peace. And that's what I always try to tune into. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. Now, were there other kids your age growing up the same way? Um, there was a lot of expats down there. Um, well, not that many. It was a super small community. There was probably around 40 houses in a huge amount of area. Um, and there was not that many kids. I, I think I grew up with probably maybe five kids and they weren't even my age. So I would say the animals were probably my best friends. And obviously that's why I think I grew such a strong relationship with my parents because they were my best friends and we did everything together. And it was, um, you know, what was the next adventure? Every single day was, was an adventure. Your relationship, at least with your mom, I got to see you guys are so cute. You're like best friend sisters. So you lived in that area for, I know you've kind of bumped around a lot. So was that like the majority of your upbringing there in the, in the jungle with the monkeys in the ocean? <laughs> Pretty much. I lived there until I was nine years old and we decided to move to Hawaii to take care of my grandparents and also just get a better education. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was um, 
It was definitely a, a little bit of a shock for me. I think living such a simple life and living in um, the jungle, even though Hawaii is, you know, such a big part of that as well as, you know, living, living in nature, but actually going to a school with, you know, 30 kids in my class where I was going to a school with three other kids. It was, it was, it was definitely a lot. Um, but I think it definitely has shaped me to who I am, that contrast of those two places for sure. And when did you get, like, when did you know that you wanted to pursue surfing? Like, when did you know that you really wanted to take this to the next level and get into competing? And it seemed like that happened pretty early on for you too. Yeah. So when I was in Costa Rica, I think that's the place where I found my love for surfing, Mm -hmm. um, definitely. And my love for the ocean. And I really had no idea what that had in store. I mean, you know, being a jungle girl, I was so... I I had no idea what, you know, I was so like sheltered in my own little way. You know, I, I remember pulling up this, um this, cause I had a DVD player. That was my only little device down there. We didn't have any cell phones. We just had radios and I just had my little DVD player. And once in a while I'd, I was allowed to watch a movie, but we had a, a CD that was called seven girls and Carissa Moore was in there and she was nine years old. And I remember, you know, watching it over and over and over again. And I'd be like, mom, like, can you watch it again and again? I wanna watch Chris again. And then the minute that we moved to Hawaii, uh, we saw Chris Moore's name everywhere and she was a world champ. And I mean, it was an old movie and we're like, that can't be the same Carissa. Mm-hmm. And it was the same Carissa. And that was the first kind of feeling for me that it's crazy that you can make a career in surfing, you know, and then I went into my uncle Greg was a a professional surfer and I went into his trophy room and of course being a little kid, you know, the shiny trophies got me going and I was like, I kind of maybe want to (laughs) compete. So that's kind of how it started. That's amazing. And I know you ended up surfing with Carissa Moore and, you know, even Bethany Hamilton, like that was incredible to watch you do that. There's a lot of questions that I want to ask you. And even though like a lot of my listeners are not professional surfers and may or may not, you know, want to do something like that one day. I just think that there's a lot each year that we came there, the six weeks that we spent with the surfers, I learned so much about mindfulness and goal setting. And just, you know, in a lot of professional athletes, obviously everybody's physically trained. Everybody's nutrition is on point. But it's like the mental aspect that has always impressed me because that's when you're really out there, like the work is done, you've done your training, you've eaten your, you know, clean food, like that is what it comes down to. And so that's what I really want to talk about with you today, um, because I was so impressed by your mind and your balance, and your personality and everything about you anyway, as you were like starting to get into these competitions and um, especially being so young, do you remember like what were some of the first perhaps like scary thoughts you had or thoughts of maybe not being good enough or like what were some of the, the earliest challenges in adversity that you that you experienced as you were maybe like low low woman on the totem pole proving yourself in this community of incredibly strong women yeah definitely I mean you know mental health and having a strong mind is something that I try to work on every single day and I think something that connects us all as humans you know and I'm and still have so much to learn and it's like every day I'm like wow like I still need to be more gentle with myself and others but I would say you know 
I think coming from the jungle and like, like I said, living, living um, such a simple and beautiful and different life where I wasn't surrounded by that many people. Um, I think I, like I said before, I was so sheltered. So I, I think coming to Hawaii and being amongst, you know, so many different humans and kids and, you know, surfers, I think that was a crazy turning point when your brain started soaking up of like judgment and comparing yourself to others and kind of questioning if you're enough. Um, I think I definitely went through that. Um, I think I was so confident, you know, when I was living in the jungle and it's strange how that sometimes shifts for you just by one bad experience. Um, But yeah, being, being kind of, you know, on the, on the low end and kind of having to catch up. I felt that a lot. Um, I definitely felt like I I needed to prove myself and yeah, I think it was just the comparison to others. I think that's one trait that's just so hard that I think I go through. I still go through all the time is that I really need to trust my own journey and my own path. And it, it sounds so cliche, but everything is happening for you not to you and the minute that you change your mindset to that it's like even all the challenges that you go through like it's because it's going to make you stronger it's because it's going to give you new perspective it's like it's honestly the greatest spiritual teachers are the challenges in your life mm-hmm. 100% and what would be like early on what would you say some of your biggest challenges were as a female athlete getting into the sport for the first one, the first memory I can think of is when I qualified for the CTE and, you know, with my heroes and I was 19, but I still felt so young back then. Um, and all I could think about was everyone else. Um, and I wasn't even thinking about myself or what I was even doing it for. I, I was in this expectation type of mind and yeah, not trusting the journey at all. I was just trying to do what everyone else was doing um, and not enjoying myself and embracing all the highs and lows. I think that was that was a little tough. I didn't, I wasn't really finding myself. I felt, I felt a little lost during that time. I think that was probably the, the clearest memory I could think of. So when you were 19 and you qualified for the CT, that was when you started traveling, right? So that was the travel circuit. So Talk to me about that. Like, what did that look like? How many places did you guys go? It sounds like a pretty intense schedule from what I know. Yeah, it's it's nonstop. I mean, right now, I do not have a home. My suitcase is literally my home. And um, I mean, kind of backtracking, when I moved to Hawaii, I lived here for 10 years. And then we decided to pack all of our stuff, sell our house and move to Fiji. And we don't really have a house in Fiji either. But my dad works on an island and and now I'm just we're all just traveling around the world um they're kind of just following me around and that's kind of our our life um but the tour starts in Hawaii then goes to Portugal then goes to Australia then California El Salvador um yeah you you get the feeling and there's not really any breaks so it's it's a lot on your physical um emotional and mental health yeah it's like from the outside that can sound so glamorous but I know a little bit of what the traveling life is actually like, just from the bit that we do. It's intense. I mean, the time zones, the food, the, the fatigue, the, like, it just takes a lot to recover. So are there like certain things that are your grounding techniques that you do each place that you go? Like, how do you make it feel 
like constant. Like how does each place feel like home if there's no home? Because that's, someone told me a while ago that when you, like if you're building a home, you're doing construction in your home, you sell your house, you move, it's literally more stressful on your physical body than losing someone that you love. That's your, that's your root. That's your base. That's your constant. That's your known. You feel safe. And so for someone who travels a lot, like that was a big thing that I took away when we started this life of traveling, like, okay, what can I do in each place to make this feel like my home? So for me, I bring so much stuff. I bring like my mushroom coffee. I bring my frother. I bring, so my morning ritual looks the same no matter where I am. And that little thing helps ground me in any place I'm in, in any time zone. Like it, it stays the same everywhere I go. Do you have stuff like that? Yeah, I love that. Well, I'm going to try that too. <laughs> no, definitely coffee is always part of my, me and my mom's routine. We will stop at two in the morning to make sure we, we bought the coffee. <laughs> um, uh, for me, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a hard one. I definitely have my fair share of mental breakdowns, I think, when everything is so ever-changing and it's like, whoa, like I just feel like we just like pack to unpack to repack again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the one thing that stays the same is um, I'll definitely bring my crystals everywhere. <laughs> that's it. That's a good one with me and my mom. And um, I make sure I just do a lot of like breathing. I think breathing is just the most simplest way that we can, and you know all about that, um, to ground ourselves and know that, um, yeah, we're in the present moment. It's like the quickest, I think, exercise for you to to be in that. Um, and then of course I bring my mom everywhere <laughs> and my dad meets me, um, where he can, but it, I don't know. I think for me, my sense of home is definitely my family, you know, wherever they are, I feel like, you know, I'm okay. I feel safe. I feel happy. And, um, they're my rock. Yeah. I could see that. That's amazing. And how incredible that they get to do that with you. I know it's crazy. That was like their dream, like for my, my mom was even pregnant. They're like, when we have like a, um, a kid, we like, we want to surf together, you know, like they never thought like I'd be a, uh, you know, have that as a career, but, um, for us to all surf together is the most beautiful thing. It's the biggest blessing in the world. They, they're both super into surfing, obviously. Definitely. Yeah. My dad is like full barrel king. My mom, she rips on a longboard. So, um, yeah. It's epic. Where is your favorite place to surf? I'm just curious. Um, my favorite place to surf would probably be swimming pools in Fiji. Oh, that's it's, a that's a place in the ocean, not a swim. yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like crystal clear water. It feels like you're in a swimming pool, and it's like a perfect right. Um, yeah, I can't wait to take your family there one day. That'd be epic. Amazing. We would love to see you down there. Okay. I got to watch you surf and I have so many questions about while you're out there. Do you mind if I ask? Of course. I wanted to like pick your brain after and I knew you were competing. So, okay. So one of the coolest things I got to watch was, so Kaya, our, our daughter met you when she was four. And by the way, I forget if I told you this or not. So she's in first grade now and they had to make a vision board in their class of what they want to be. And she put a surfer. And that's oh reason. Wow. So when we were there, I think last year, like we got to sneak away from the hyperbaric house, which we didn't get to do that often. And I got to watch you compete. And all of a sudden there's a wild card 
And in comes Bethany Hamilton. I'm sure you remember this. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Had to surf against Bethany Hamilton with Bethany Hamilton. And I imagine that was just an honor in, of, in and of itself. And you beat her. Not that that matters, but it was really cool. It was really cool <laughs> to watch you. You know, I wondered like in the moment, like surfers to me are very much in the flow. So like when we talk about flow being like when you love something that you do, when you just you're passionate about it, it's almost like you're not even thinking anymore. You're just completely present. So when you're out there in between, like watching the waves, waiting for your turn, picking if you're going to take that one or not that one. I mean, that has got to be such an intense moment. Yeah. Where, where's your head? Gosh, I feel like, you know, competitive surfing, you could either have like the most craziest monkey brain possible, mm-hmm. or you reach, yeah, that flow state that you're talking about where nothing else matters. Like you're aware of everything, distracted by nothing. Mm-hmm. You just feel everything. It's like, you're not even like, it's like the most present I think I've ever been is in those situations. Um, and I think that brings that out in me. You know, it's either in the stressful, stressful moments of the heat where you have to, you know, make it happen and you need to score, or it's in those moments where you're so in control and you feel like, wow, like I just feel so in rhythm with the ocean. And like, it's crazy that competitive surfing can, can that bring that out. Like, I think that's why I always am so addicted to it. Why I always go back to it is because. I don't think I've ever felt that way in anything I do. Mm-hmm. I obviously on like a tiny level, but we learned to surf when we were out there and I've never felt anything like that feeling in my life. It was like adrenaline fueled, right? Because you're like, when you find a good wave, which for me are very small waves, but you're like paddling, 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 getting up, feels like muscular energy, but then it's this total Zen. Like you're literally riding the ocean. Yeah, it's crazy. Such a great balance of everything, anything you could ever, ever want. So most of the time when you're competing, is it like that flow? Is it, do you have tools to get into that place? Or is it just kind of you go out there and whatever kind of comes to be? You know, it's, I mean, the flow state is, you know, as elite athletes, that's where we all want to go. And it's kind of far and few in between, to be honest. I think it's probably a handful of times have I truly reached that flow state where like I knew that this wave was coming. Like I wasn't stressed. I wasn't thinking about the future. I wasn't thinking of the past. I was like, so in the now. Mm -hmm. Um, I clearly remember I was in that flow state when I competed against Carissa um, in Karamas in Bali. And I think it was the other thing of like, I was surfing for my aunt who who was having cancer, who had cancer. And um, I just was like, so not, I don't know, I felt like a part of everything. Like I felt a part of the ocean. Like I, mm-hmm. I was almost calling in the energy, like calling in the, in the waves. And like, I, that's how I imagine my flow state. It's like in this receiving, but also manifesting state. Like you, you know, something's coming. Like you're, you're with the energy, you're tuning in with the energy around you and this connection that is undescribable like um and so yeah of course every contest I want want to reach that and sometimes it it doesn't really work out but I think what tunes me in is um been working on it with my sports psychologist and I think it's just about like finding senses so like either touching the water Mm -hmm. like smelling the salt water 
um, you know, looking at a wave, like really tuning into one of your senses that brings you back to the present moment, mm -hmm. because it's a, it's a lot, a lot of stuff is going on out there. But if you really like tune in and zone in into one sense, I feel like that's what kind of stimulates the zone for me. Yeah. Oh, I love it. That makes sense. Going back to your sports psychologist. So that's really interesting. What kinds of like, if there's like a big takeaway tip or tool that you've learned from a sports psychologist, um, what would that be? Like, how do you use that in your daily life? Yeah. I mean, you know, you think about, you know, it's a sports psychologist, so you think it's all about, you know, my sport and, and my headspace there. But what he has taught me is literally has made me completely change my perspective on how I live every day. Like you're saying, like, um, I think the biggest thing is your subconscious and, and how, you know, that could really overtake our, our mindset and how we live day to day. You know, if you, if you sat your subconscious next to you, which is your, you know, your subconscious is someone that's not someone, but your mind that's kind of telling you, you know, you're not enough or like, yeah. da, 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 da. it's like, you know, that head noise, it's um, what kind of holds you back from things, you know, if you sat that person, <laughs> which is you next to you, you wouldn't like that person very much. Mm -hmm. And so I think being really aware of your thoughts um, and knowing that you are not your thoughts that you can, you're bigger than that, you know? Um, so I've named my subconscious oh, and <laughs> kind of put a little bit of a, you know, barrier between that and, um, you know, know that we, yeah, we are not our thoughts. Yeah. There's this book that I was reading recently and it talks about, um, I don't know if you've ever read Michael Singer, The Untethered Soul. Ooh, I haven't read that yet, but it's been on my list. It's so good. So it talks about that we're actually the observer. So mm -hmm. we're the observer and you remove yourself from this subconscious. So something like 90% of the time we are living unconsciously. So we're playing mm -hmm. patterns, right? Where we're like talking to ourselves essentially as this other person. And I love that you name it because then you can tangibly almost like separate it from yourself. Mm -hmm. It's been definitely been very helpful. Like mom and I do it all the time. We just are like, okay, like like my my subconscious is named subby it's like i should probably rename it i don't know it's not a very creative name but i'm just like hey subby like you need to calm down like <laughs> you talk to her like that heck yeah yeah uh, i will say it out loud like I, I think one thing of my healing is really like tuning into my fifth chakra um i'm such a i don't know i would say just gentle and kind of quiet type of person on land and i feel like i need to use my voice more and so i i i'm trying to tune into my fifth chakra my throat chakra and that's been one of my biggest goals that's a good one i love it isn't it so interesting i feel like one of the biggest things i've realized this year is how we all have the same stuff going on mm. like you could be professional world champion surfer you could be world-class fitness model. You could be the coolest freaking chick in the world. Like these same things happen to every single one of us. Like why aren't, we all, why aren't we all talking about it more? I know, it's so true. I think we are stronger in our vulnerability. We are stronger when we're connected within that and showing that. I mean, it's it's hard to 
sometimes show, you know, your hardships and your struggles. Um, but the minute you do, you actually can change someone's life. And I'm, I'm trying to work on that too. You know, I feel like, I feel like I portray, you know, I live this perfect life. And sometimes I question myself. I'm like, gosh, like I really do need to show that I, I struggle. You know, I struggle every day. Mm-hmm. I look in the mirror and um, criticize myself and I have different problems and, and to show, you know, that little girl that's, you know, on the other side of the screen that she's not alone. I think that's, um, that's a big step in the right direction. Yeah. I think what's really important too is like, you know, the bit that I know about your family is you have a really tight family unit. Like yeah. We can come from these incredible upbringings, you know, like I'm very close with my family as well. And I'm so thankful that I grew up feeling loved and supported and safe and connected to my parents. And still there's a story that I have nothing to do with them doing anything wrong. They did everything to the best of their ability. It's, it's my story, but the way that it plays out shows up as like a lack of worthiness or ironically, I've lost my voice for like the past week, but trying to find my voice as well for years and having these major insecurities and finally starting to talk about them has been really incredible because other people, you know, like yourself, I feel like we're just all having these conversations more and it's, it's such an incredible time for us women to be banding together and talking about these things and giving permission to other people to do the same because I think, like you said, vulnerability is so powerful and this is when we really, really create these deep incredible connections and like isn't life worth that like isn't it time that we just do that oh it it totally is I mean we are we all are one as a collective in the minute that we really realize that especially like women like you know my mom has been working a lot on doing more women's circles um and you know talking about her struggles and it's um it's hard. That's why I feel like virtually it's awesome that you're doing this because in a way it's almost like a little bit of a women's circle, you know, across the world. Cause you know, you know, no matter where we are, we can band together. Right. But yeah, tuning into our divine feminine energy, because when women come together, they are the strongest things on this earth. I literally, I feel that. Yeah. The more women that um, I think speak their truth, speak honestly and openly, the more women, you know, I think come together. Mm-hmm. 100%. So with that in mind, in this next year for you, like what would be your goals separate from surfing, separate from your career? What would be your goals for Brisa as a person, as a woman? Ugh, good question. <laughs> There's a lot. You know, to be honest, this year was really hard for me. I think it was, um, you know, one of my most successful years as a competitive surfer. But I struggled a lot, you know, with my health, um, with body image, with not feeling like being enough, just finding my purpose, I think, but also so many, you know, good things about it too, because I think the minute that you really embrace that and feel that it, it really, my men, uh, my sports psychologist brought this up on, on how in our life, when we feel stagnant or dissatisfied or, in a rut or we're unhappy, you know, we have two choices. It's either we stay in that or it's the most exciting period of our life because we can grow. And I always think about that, like, oh, it's so cool because like 
the minute that you feel that you're like, well, like something, something's coming then. Like I have to change, like I'm going to change and I'm going to be better. And I think I just speaking with vulnerability, I really want to tune into that this upcoming year. I really want to be more open. I want to stand up for what is right. I think that I, I don't do that enough. I don't think my voice is loud enough. Um, and I want to talk about issues that matter a lot more. Yeah, I just, like I mentioned, I think it's just that I think about that little girl, I think about little Brisa and like, how I can make her proud. Um, I want to tune into who she was every single day, because she was confident and strong and um, so connected with everything around her. And yeah, it's, it's sad how as we get older, we lose, lose that connection. Can I ask, what do you think made you lose that connection? I just would say just judgments by others. And it's not like their judgment on me. It's what I think that how they're judging me. It's perceive. weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a constant cycle. But, you know, honestly, no one really cares at the end of the day. You know, they're trying to figure out their problems in their life. And you just got to remind yourself of that. And we literally only have one life. Yeah. And so why not be the truest version of yourself and not care what other people think? Like, yeah. that's also my other goal is like, I want to, you know, do crazy stuff. I want to be more, more like my dad. I feel like he really is like, he will do whatever he wants. He will like, he's a little extreme, but like he, he's crazy. And I, um, I need to tune into more of that side of like not caring what other people think. Just like, yeah, being wild sometimes and yeah, being courageous. I was listening to this thing today and it was really cool. Um, it was Aubrey Marcus. I don't know if you ever follow him. But he said, one of our deepest fears is being seen, but more being seen and being rejected. Mm. And so we're so afraid of being seen and rejected that we like hide and we're not, we don't let anyone truly see us. Right. But what happens in that, we can almost think of like um, subby. <laughs> so we create this like projection of ourselves, this safe version that we show up as, this controlled, um, inhibited version that feels safe so that people will connect and love us but then what we're really doing is they never actually love us they love that projection of us I'm like wow. what's the point what's yep. the point? like that must be really nice for subby but not for <laughs> Risa. <laughs> yeah definitely like, deserves to be seen and feel that love i i thought that was so cool it's like that's huge like it. if we're gonna be here can be here like let's be here as us let's show up as us and if people don't want to love us next <laughs> those people aren't supposed to be in our lives I right. think the people that are supposed to be in our lives are will love us for who we are and if yeah. the other people don't why does it even matter anyways yeah. and you know I'm making it sound so easy and it's not but what I, I you know something I've been working on this past year I wonder if you've tapped into this too is like the time in quiet and the time connecting with my inner child so if I'm going in like a social situation, instead of in the past, I would like have a drink or have something that created a state change. So I could show up there in this version that like felt safe, almost like a performer. And now I actually take a minute and I'm like, what is it that I need out of this? Mm. And it's just this quick little 
five second thing that I go in completely different. And I'm like, no, this is, this is for me. This is for Missy, like little Missy is going to get some time here is what are you kind of doing to help anchor to that truth that you want to stand in? I love that. I feel like that's, yeah, that's a huge one. I think I question myself a lot. Like, am I doing this? Am I here for me? Like, am I doing this for me? And also, yeah, showing up in your truest form, no matter what. I don't think trying to fake something. I don't know. I think it's just like, still like checking up. Like I still have to have these little questions in my head of like, I don't know, goes down the list of like, you know, who are you? Like, why are you here? You know, what makes you happy? Are you doing this for you? Like just little questions. But I don't know, I'm still learning on what my triggers are. I I still have to figure that out. Mm -hmm. That's huge. I feel like that takes a lot of time. And I'm I'm so happy that you're, you're working on it. I think we all are. So what's what's up and coming for Brisa professional surfer on the horizon? What's this next year? What are your goals? Professional surfer. Whew, sometimes I don't know that person. <laughs> um, what does that mean? What do you mean you don't know her? Is it like, do you get into it? Are you like, is it an alter ego? Uh, yeah, I would say I have to like balance my two lives for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to find that. Uh, I think I, it's gone easier, but I think who I am in the water is definitely different to who I am on land. And that's like where I struggle with the social part because, you know, the minute I come on land, it's like, I I need to like be focused. And, and sometimes I just get to in that people pleasing mode where I need to say no more. Um, I think the importance of saying no is something I need to work on a lot. Um, I think within the obligations of everything, but yeah, sorry, going into professional Brisa, um, trying to balance those two worlds out. But I think for the goals and the horizon, I don't know. I, I think I got the taste of where I want to be a lot. Like last year was insane because I had no expectations. I like fell off to her. And, you know, I re-qualified, got back on tour, and then I went straight into, you know, winning my first event. And I, it was a crazy moment for me because I was like, oh my gosh, like I literally felt like, you know, like on the bottom, like I felt like I was totally not enough. And Mm -hmm. because I changed my mindset so much, I kind of like when you let go of expectations, you almost like receive everything, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was that state of like, whoa, like I can, I feel like I can do this. Like it's, it's kind of a crazy one because, you know, you think about how, like, where does that self-belief come from? Mm -hmm. Um, If you haven't really experienced that. And of course, visualization is huge. Like you need to visualize, you know, you at the, at the podium, you need to visualize you like holding that trophy. But like, once you, like, you don't, haven't tasted that yet. Like, where does that confidence come? Like, it's like so scary. Like you can't just make that out of nothing mm-hmm. and you try, but yeah, winning that event, I was like, I kind of belong. Like I felt like I belonged for the first time. So I think obviously I want to qualify for the Olympics again. I, I want to be in the top five again and win some more contests, but um, find that perfect mindset that we're all trying to find. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. So getting that that win at sunset, it did change how you felt. So uh, the reason I asked that is because I think a lot of people 
myself included, we set goals, very different goals for me than obviously for you in your career. But it's like, I assume that once I hit this goal, I'm going to feel and be a different person. And I hit the goal. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm still here. Like, I'm still me. Yeah. The same. The yeah. goal didn't change anything by hitting it. Um, and so I realized I have to become that person that I think I'm going to be by hitting that. I have to become that down here. Mm. But so when right. you got it, it actually did, like, it did change how you felt. You felt like you belonged, like you deserved well, to be up there. Well, I didn't, like, it didn't change who I was. Like, I woke up the next morning and I was like, oh, like, I still, like, I still feel the same. Like, I, I don't know, nothing really has changed, but I felt like it wasn't necessarily that moment of winning sunset. It was like all of the little moments that brought me to that moment. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. it, I don't know, there's a lot of little like pieces of the puzzle that you kind of miss and you're like, whoa, like it kind of puts that little bit of a stamp on there, like a little bit of a validation stamp, you know, like I've worked this hard to be here and like it, you know, it proved that a little bit that I needed a little bit of confidence boost that I, I know I was searching for so long. I totally get that. I feel like you nailed it. I think when we have these big goals, it is the moments leading up to them, those challenges, those adversities that really make you become who that person at the end is and you forget that like I think that you know you tend to rush things well at least I did you know like rush the process rush the process but what you forget along that journey is you're picking up little things to an unbreakable armor like and you you're like oh my gosh like I don't know, I reflect a lot about little moments that I was at my worst and stuff. And I was like, because of that, like I picked up a little bit more of the shield and da da da, da and yeah. and how I, you know, was unbreakable at that point. And then of course you have to redefine yourself and <laughs> it all starts all over again. And it's it's a, it's crazy. <laughs> Imagine. So in a lot of the places that you go, I think you you end up living with some of the other surfers, right? You guys are all in this house together, or was that just for the competition that we were there for. Is that yeah. Yeah. Do you guys have these conversations together? Like you, you get out on the water and you're competitors, but in that home, are you, is it like a sisterhood? Like, what is the vibe like in there? I'm so curious. Yeah. So, um, sorry, I miss misunderstood your question. So I, you only stay with people like your teammates on the North shore of Oahu. Oh. And then kind of just like you stay at your own accommodation Everywhere. at the rest Okay. but okay. you know we see each other every single day like yeah every single day and it's it's actually an amazing question because you know last year was super super challenging like really mentally challenging for everyone like it was the most like it was physically draining like mentally draining more than any other year like even Kelly Slater was saying that he was like this is this is crazy like it was just so back to back we're traveling constantly and you know the only people that understood what we were going through was each of us and that brought us insanely close especially the women like it was you know our job was to beat each other but every time we came on land and we reflected it it really I don't know it just it brought us closer it was like the craziest craziest thing because we knew that no one from the outside knew what we were going through so it was was the schedule different last year I don't or did it just feel different to you guys what was so intense last year well there's five events before there's a cutoff and the cutoff only 10 people stay on tour 
So like the bottom half have to go to the challenger series, which never happened before. You normally qualify and you stay on tour the whole year. So you're not really worried about anything. But after five events, people were falling off tour. And so your jobs were on the line. Like you rookies, you know, literally just made tour, but they're like, oh my gosh, like five events, like we could be off tour again. Um, So it was really a stressful, um, stressful year. I hope this year goes great for you. I'm sure it will. I mean, you're, you're so incredible and I'm so sad we won't be there with you, but we'll be there with you in spirit. Of course. I know. I wish you guys were going to be there too, but we will definitely connect somewhere in the world. (laughs) Yes. I want to ask you one last question, Brisa. And so for this coming year, uh, either for personal or professional, I want to know, do you have a word for this next year? That's going to be like your guidepost, your, your mental check-in, like my word for this year is all in. So it's just kind of like every, every year I have a word I've, I've used the word no, which in my mind is nourish oneself. I love that. Mm. By the way, you're welcome to it. Someone shared it with me. Love that. Every time we say no to something that's for someone else, we're nourishing ourselves. Um, so I'm wondering if you have a word. <sighs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, I think personally, when I'm on land, um, the word that always comes to mind now is compassion. Compassion and vulnerability. <laughs> can there be two oh, words? Yes, there can definitely be two words. <laughs> Um, yeah, compassion for me, it's given me a whole new, like, meaning of the world word, like, you know, you, you know, walk, walk on the street, and you see someone and you don't know what their story is, you know, they're living, a, you know, their struggle and um, a story we know nothing about. So I want to, I want to have more compassion. As far as professionally, ooh, I do actually have to think of my trigger words. I think resilience. I like that one. And what does that mean to you? It means, I think, no matter what, showing up, showing up for yourself, mm. showing up, um, you know, for what you love, showing up for others, and no matter what, no matter the, the circumstance. Love it. Oh my gosh, you're going to have an incredible year. Just everything you're doing for yourself. I'm, I'm so happy for you. I'm so proud of you. And I'm so glad to be able to witness it from the sidelines. Risa, thank you for taking this time. I know your schedule is so crazy and it's just been an honor to be here with you. I love you. Thanks, Melissa. It's the honor was all mine. And um, yeah, thank you for, for changing people's lives and um, you know, knowing that, reminding our, each other that we're, we're not alone in this journey. I hope you enjoyed your time with Brisa as much as I did. She is such a loving, compassionate, open human being. And I'm so thankful that for someone who has such a large professional platform as a surfer, that she's willing to share so many of the things about her that make her the person that I love. If you enjoyed that podcast as much as I hope you did, please go ahead and put a review underneath. I would really appreciate it. And most importantly, please share this message with another woman in your life. Sharing these episodes will help me reach my mission of helping women get unstuck so that we can impact future generations to come. Thank you so much. See you soon.